StartupRad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from StartupRad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. Right now I'm here in Frankfurt close to Westhafen, which is, as you can tell, a former harbor which was converted into residential and office buildings. And I'm here for the simple reason that there's an InsurTech located here. Thinkurance, welcome. Thank you. Can you introduce yourself to our viewers? Yeah, of course. Um, so my name is Florian Brokamp. I'm one of the co-founders of uh, Thinkurance and uh, CEO of the company. And uh, yeah, happy to uh, say a little bit more about uh, what we are doing here in Frankfurt. When we talked before the interview, you told me that you're basically not really an insurance company. You're not really a broker, but you're actually in the middle of that. Before we get into the details, can you tell us a little bit about your life, how you actually got there? Because I would assume you don't get out of university and say, oh, that's what I want to do. <laughs> no, uh, actually, it's uh, probably like everyone that you ask about insurance. Um, it's really more about I just somewhat got stuck into it. And uh, that was the case. Um, I studied both law and economics uh, here in Germany and then went to McKinsey Management Consulting. And uh, after a couple of years at, uh, at McKinsey doing a lot of digital stuff, um, I thought, okay, uh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to found something and, and let's go. And then I got into, bumped into a lot of people, a lot of uh, different entrepreneurs that have much more experience about that. Um, and they all said, okay, uh, look at this, look at that, and so on. And then I met uh, some guys that uh, were very successful in insurance. They said, insurance, that's, uh, that's very interesting. I was like, insurance, I don't really think that's something for me. And like, yeah, look at it. Uh, that's really something that you should have a closer look. And I was like, yeah, okay, maybe I do. And um, yeah, that's, um, at that time, it was uh, really kicking off that industry. And it was really starting to... Uh, to to get going and I was really looking at it and I said okay sounds interesting and I started it and I uh, called uh, two friends of mine uh, that I worked together with McKin at McKinsey and we we're like okay let's uh, give it a try and so we started it and then over time it's been over four years now uh, it became uh, quite successful and now we're uh, launching um, we're looking at the first other countries that we're expanding to after being uh, quite uh, market leading in Germany. And so um, it proved me wrong. Uh, they proved me wrong that insurance is much more interesting than I actually thought. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we are here because um, my interest in you got triggered for the simple reason you raised venture capital. I do remember 13 million euros. Yep. Yep. And um, actually, at this point, but I'm not an insurance guy, I could not tell what you guys are actually doing. <laughs> Can you explain it for like an insurance layman, what you guys are actually doing? Yeah, definitely. I can do, so, do that. I actually need to do that quite often because uh, most people that I talk to that <laughs> ask me, what do you do? Um, I, I typically start with like, 
okay, we're a tech company and then you get them interested. So rather don't tell too early that you're doing something with insurance. It typically <laughs> lowers the attention quite a bit. And so um, we're a tech company. We're, we're a tech platform in between a classical insurance company um, and whatever distributor that is selling commercial insurances. So in this case, um, it might be a typical broker that you know, might be an uh, tight agent that uh, only sells uh, insurance from like Allianz or Zurich or AXA, whatever. Um, and we're kind of like in between those two parties and connect them. And we're kind of like a technology um, enabler for both of them because insurance company is typically not a tech company and a typical broker or distributor, even online brokers. Um, they are, most of them don't have that much money and time to invest into these APIs or into these uh, interfaces that you would need to create with insurers to kind of like get all the uh, product world and all the communication that you need between those two parties. And therefore, we're in between multiplying to both sides, uh, kind of like a two-sided marketplace matching supply and demand. But you guys are doing much more than just WhatsApp, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so it's really, um, I mean, we're starting in this process from the first consulting, from first making sure that, uh, uh, that you consult your, your client right. So from a distributor perspective, then uh, we help him what kind of products they need to offer him, liability insurance or uh, legal insurance or whatever. Um, and then we tell him which insurer actually would cover that risk. Then we have the API with insurer getting the quote from him. Even if this is special for B two B insurance because you have big risks, you have quite specific risks, not just like life insurance. To very simplify it, one person has just one life, and it's almost the same. But it's totally different if you're like a car a car sales outlet yeah. that has a lot of cars out there and when the garage burns up it has to be insured as opposed to like a really big industrial conglomerate that needs to insure like big industrial complexes right? yeah and so actually when you think about commercial insurances and businesses um, you have around let's say 50 different product lines and product lines it means liability so uh, someone trip falls over a cable or so on mm -hmm. but it can be even much much bigger if the product that you sell just hurts someone uh, out there that's using it that would also be in this area up to like let's say cyber or legal expense or whatever so that 50 different products just for one one potential business and then within one business you have uh, we know around let's say 1500 1800 different professions so a profession can be uh, the plumber next door can be the uh, huge con industrial conglomerate can be uh, a barber next door so can be everything in between and a barber not equals a barber a barber can be one man shop or can be like with different franchise stores and so on so even in that it's quite uh, complicated so you can see you can build up a huge matrix of complexity just a question out of pure curiosity does it make a difference for the insurance of a barbershop if he or she does shaving or not <laughs> uh, <laughs> shaving is uh, is uh, not uh, relevant for the premium um, but it, it makes a uh, it makes a difference if you kind of like do the needling peeling stuff or you actually really go into the 
um, uh, yeah, go, go into the skin of someone, then it, it makes different. But shaving is typically not <laughs> not part of the questionnaire. Okay, and when you guys then you have to structure this, okay? Mm -hmm. And so an insurance broker, an IFA on one side can find it. And what do you do for the other side, like the insurance companies? Yeah. Um, so in this area, I mean, this is part of this matchmaking. So this, in, this broker has this risk and he wants to find out, okay, what do I actually, uh, who can I ask for it and what does it cost? And this is the first time when we are really giving a, um, a certain special value for an insurer. Because what happened typically um, is that you started with uh, kind of like an email or like fax. Yes, there's still fax machines being used. So I didn't know. Um, and so it's really an offline process. And then you need um, special underwriters or you have people there, specialists for calculating or quote, quoting a simple barber shop for 120 euro or $150. And so and, that's and something we, not we should say, like in insurance speak, it's when you're underwriting a risk, you're covering it as an insurance, then it is insured, right? Yeah, so the underwriting is actually kind of like a risk assessment of the risk and then uh, making sure that the premium is from a technical perspective, actually, uh, yeah, pricing the risk right. Because in the end, I mean, it's a... a in insurance, basically, it's a, you need a lot of different risks, so they cover each other, basically, because you have risks that don't have any damages, because one damage would be enough to basically take all the premiums of the under, other 100 uh, premiums, and therefore you need to make sure that it all ends up uh, to a total coverage in the portfolio. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see. What is, what is for you, the most interesting stuff you are insuring. I assume you're not insuring like uh, big industrial conglomerates um, that are destru uh, destruction by alien forces or something. <laughs> But not yet. Not yet. <laughs> what, what is the most fancy or interesting stuff you guys are doing there? What are you seeing there? <clears throat> so basically, we've um, we're getting more and more complex from risks that are. Um, that our, our clients are bringing to us. And um, I would say the most complex was around, they have a, it's a conglomerate, industrial conglomerate of, I think they make around 50 million revenues. So it's quite, quite large already, which has been uh, digitized uh, via our platform. And this was probably the most interesting part. But of course, we see a lot of startups coming to us because obviously I'm, I'm a part of the startup world and therefore I know some people that come to me and say, uh, can you help? And I typically say, we are not a broker, uh, but we can, of course, enable your broker or we can connect you with brokers and whatever. And uh, so basically we're, we're helping them on this. And so we see a lot of different stuff. What, what was uh, the latest that I heard? It, it was a, a cryptocurrency um, asset manager or something like that. And that was really something where the insurers, which are really, really old school, said, okay, what is this cryptocurrency stuff? I actually have no clue. And that was probably one of the most interesting parts. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, you're working with like all insurance companies that yeah. are permitted to do business in Germany? Yeah, basically with all the relevant uh, insurers on our side. Um, and uh, what we're doing with them is uh, it starts with this, what, what is that, the simple quotation of the risk. Um, so just writing a price to it. 
Um, but on the other side, it really goes uh, much further into data analytics, into um, process outsourcing, into product development and portfolio management. So we're really getting deeper and deeper into the value chain of an insurer because they realize that we're creating win-win situations. And that's something that, that is basically one of the principles of, of our company when we first founded it. We said, okay, we, we think the discussion is much nicer with someone that you bring value to. And then you say, okay, with uh, each, uh, let's say, risk that is underwritten or with each client that we have on our platform, you earn, all sides earn more money than before. And so it's easier, the discussion to say, hey, out of this client, you had thousand dollars more and then i say okay so i take half of it and then mm -hmm. for both sides it's it's a good deal yeah, and that's something what we are creating also for insurers when we're helping them with data analytics with all these different areas which where they didn't have anything before which just say hey this is just awesome and just helps us in all these different areas mm -hmm. Um, getting a little bit more into your company because you raised venture capital. Yep. And what was your experience with raising venture capital? Was it like <laughs> tiresome? Was it, uh, which would actually surprise me easy? And what are you going to do with the money? Yeah. So actually it was, um, really, uh, yeah. It was a hard thing to do because actually when you talk to investors... Oh, what a surprise. Yeah, what a surprise. Um, but I think it was even harder when you come to an industry when, uh, when no one actually really has a clue about it. So in the, the insurance industry, from a digitization and the startup perspective, is very, very young. So when you're talking to investors, um, one of the first uh, things um, in the beginning, they said, yeah, yeah we are good at, uh, with insurance industry because we're good at fintech. And... In the beginning, Intratech was seen as part of fintech, and mm -hmm. it still took some time before people actually made it a, quite a, a, a difference between it and made it different sectors. And so um, it just started that uh, we have investors raising funds only for Intratech. And um, that also shows how little experience they all had with, with Intratech. And so when you look at, when you talk to investors and you t see their first investments that they made, most of them actually already died because everyone thought, oh yeah, Intratech is probably like every other industry. So you just put money into Google and it's like e-commerce and that it's sold and uh, yeah, done. You grow big. Yeah, and mm -hmm. all of them failed or pivoted and so on. And so it, it's really... It's not linear scaling. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So it really takes some time before this industry actually gets... Um, disrupted or actually before before it gets digitized even and because um, one of the things that people need to learn it's it's a, just a very very different market very very different industry and, uh, and and therefore the investors had some really hard time to understand what we are doing and so in the beginning it was really uh, really tough to explain them why we think it is not like all the other industries because the first reaction from all of them was ah oh, yeah yeah and then you need to go this uh, do this and do this and that it's like in other industries we also always said no 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 it's not right we need to do it differently we need to um, for example go via brokers they said no in the digital world no one needs a broker anymore no one needs an intermediary and we said yeah you still need it insurance is not sexy it's not a pull product it's a push product so you need someone that pushes out there and uh, sells it to someone and therefore you always will need them um, 
No, no, no. Okay. Then two years later, people understood, oh, actually he was right. Yeah, and so um, let's, it just took two years. Okay, it just took two years okay. <laughs> of of discussion. So in the first um, discussion we had with investors, they all felt very very intelligent and strong, and uh, made us feel stupid. We luckily we had some investors that believed in us all the time, and uh, then now after uh, some more time and after really the market picking up and the market learning, also the investors. Uh, learning uh, this round was really easy so in the end I was talking mainly to 10 investors that I knew from before um, and uh, then uh, I had three offers in the end yeah, and even a couple more that said okay um, what can we do and we just pushed them back and so it was really really one of these experiences that you like from uh, from fundraising but you don't hear very often and I'm actually quite uh, uh, quite happy that it did go that way What is your best recommendation for a startup out there who has never talked to investors <laughs> uh, when they start fundraising? What should they do? Um, And before you ask, no, we don't do easy questions here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's um, one thing that always helps is um, to, to talk to people early enough and uh, without fundraising. Because when you talk to them in the beginning, It's, it's like when you go out on a date or when you go out in a club and when, uh, when someone has a feeling you directly go for it and you're really aggressive and you have just one, one clear goal um, uh, of taking her home, um, then most people get defensive. But if in the same, same day, if you just talk to them and say, hey, we're just starting a startup and um, we just had a, our first business angels or our own money or whatever and, and so on and so everything's going well, And then it's really less aggressive. If you go to them directly and say, okay, and I uh, want to pitch now because I want the money, then it always feels a little bit needy and too aggressive. When we start a uh, relationship with them, when you start to kind of like uh, getting them interested, getting them to learn more about you and about your business, your idea, then you also find out who would be a good fit and they mm -hmm. learn who is a good fit. And they can give good recommendations and they start to trust you. Because the reason why we are not uh, why we are not liquidated yet, uh, because, but we are now on the best position that we ever had, is because we had some people that trusted in us, and that uh, it was not the typical um, followership of uh, VCs that talk to each other and say, yeah, yeah, that's all, that's another good idea. It's gonna take some time, and then uh, they realize it, it was a good idea, but they didn't realize it yet. Um, or before and then you need someone who trusts you and who backs you and uh, that's probably the, the best part about it mm -hmm. and what are you guys gonna do with the money <laughs> except Spend for, it. for <laughs> buying a playstation or something <laughs> yeah so first we have a nice closing party and then half of it is gone and <laughs> then <laughs> no, actually, uh, probably, probably not um, but what we're going to do is actually invest a lot in, into people mm -hmm. um, because that's the main, re main uh, resource actually that, that we have and so we're, we're tripling the, the size of our team uh, mainly in Germany but also starting um, with other countries and so, um, for example? for example France, um, Belgium, uh, Netherlands would be on our first priority list But we're also looking at uh, the US, at uh, Asia. Um, these three, let, let's say, possibilities are out there for us. 
and uh, it's just a matter of sequence for us. Mm -hmm. I see. And maybe one of my last questions. You guys are here located in Frankfurt, yeah. which is pretty nice. There's a lot of business around here. But did you feel ever an advantage or disadvantage to be located here in Frankfurt? And what would you expect like the government, the regulators do to enable more startups in the fintech insurance space like you guys? Yeah. Um, so we actually like it here in Frankfurt um, and uh, it's, it's also two-sided. On the one hand side, Frankfurt is really cool because the city is really, um, there's a lot of traffic just in the city. You're really close to all the other cities because Germany is quite decentral. So that means you have in Cologne, Hamburg, Berlin, Munich, Stuttgart, and wherever, wherever you have the different customers that you want to meet. It's not like in UK where you have London and there you have basically, let's say, the majority of the businesses. Um, and uh, therefore, this, this really helps. And also what's, what's helping is um, that we're not too, we didn't look too startup-y. And uh, what that means is uh, when we are talking to, uh, to insurers, They always thought like, oh, because they're so traditional, they always liked it that we're in Frankfurt because it didn't sound like, oh, this Berlin hipster startup stuff, what you do. But we always also framed ourselves as the young company, uh, a really young, fresh company mm -hmm. that sounds different for the, to them than, okay, we're a startup and we're really um, uh, fragile. Got out of your job. Yeah, exactly. Disruption, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so on. So this this really helped. And Frankfurt sounds much better on this. On the uh, also when it comes to recruiting, uh, because from the international perspective, Frankfurt has a really really great uh, reputation, um, and therefore a lot of people said, okay, it's cool to come to Frankfurt. It's better than Berlin, maybe or yeah. And in Berlin, when I talk to other founders, they say, okay, it's in a startup hub. So especially all the techies or the good guys that want to be in, in startup space, they got lots of offers and they just from they, they experienced it everyone that i know experienced that oh uh, yeah and that this one time that my developer just didn't come anymore he just took another offer because there's so many offers out there uh, and so it's really a lot of fluctuation and and uh, and so on uh, when you ask about the government and uh, and what is not the good thing about about frankfurt um, it is not a typical startup hub And so you don't have this large uh, community, also investors community here. You have a lot of business community, which, mm -hmm. which helps, but investor community is not so, so big. And um, there are different, um, let's say, initiatives to change that. And also the government is trying to change a little bit. Um, but bureaucracy in general, in, in Germany in general, is really hard for startups. And uh, so this is probably something where we think it could be a little bit nicer to be in Berlin or even in some other startup hubs where they are pushing it. I think in France, there's actually a lot of going on uh, to, to support startups. Um, we would hope that uh, in uh, Germany in general and Frankfurt in specific, it would be a little bit more of, let's say, uh, support from the government just to get this get this going. Like going. medial outreach support, financial support, uh, help with recruiting, relocating employees, or all of it? Yeah, all of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so the, 
but I think um, mostly it's something of making that uh, making it easier for us to attract the people here and uh, and get the money because obviously for the government it's it's good for us now or for them now that we have that much money mm -hmm. because it means we are hiring people that means mm -hmm. we're also uh, performing quite well that means we're creating taxes which is also again nice and making it more attractive more innovative and so on uh, and therefore good support here would be would be highly appreciated Great. Anything important we may have forgotten? Um, yeah, I think um, one thing that I want to mention to to uh, the founders out there, because uh, it is uh, easily said, but you cannot hear it often enough, is uh, stay focused, um, stay out of all the events that you can get, because startup is not about a startup hipster life. It's about creating business and it's not about hiring, firing. It's not about just disrupting just because of disrupting it's not uh, for making it the best for investors it's making uh, a good business is making yourself happy and if you're only after the uh, getting fast uh, quick returns then it's probably not the best way uh, for you to do it uh, it's rather about building something creating something for you for your employees and uh, also for uh, for your environment and it's not about the events it's not about just raising big and that's important it's more important you believe in yourself you're happy and you create a vision just raising big and have a big variation we just had the case of we work that it don't always pay off thank you very much it was a pleasure having you as a guest thank you everybody who'd like to learn more go down here in the show notes there's a link to our website there's a blog post where you will find the link of your linkedin profile everything we talked about, uh, Wikipedia links, and as well as the company website. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. It was fun. My pleasure. Thank My you. pleasure. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.